0: You filled your belly. I couldn't another thing. I'm absolutely stuffed. Now fill your brain with lightning knowledge. What can I do to speed the whole thing up, doctor? This is Lightning Lunch, a full hour of lightning talk with lightninginsider.com's Eric Erlinson. Did you see the memo about this? On Lightning Power Play.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to another week of Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Ronson from lightninginsider.com. Coming at you live from Studio 401 here at Amelie Arena. It's another game day. It's a busy week for Tampa Bay. It's a 7 p.m. start against the New York Islanders tonight. It's the first of four games this week. By the time we get to Saturday against the Washington Capitals, it's going to be five games in eight days. As you know, there's a lot of ground for Tampa Bay to make up, and this is one of those weeks where they're going to make up some of those games. All right, we have a lot to get to today, and uh, again, I'm going to apologize to Steve in advance because I'm sure we're going to run a little bit past the the one-hour mark here on the show, but I will do my best to squeeze everything in as we can because we found out this morning there's two call-ups, there's an injured player, somebody's making his NHL debut tonight which means it's the perfect time to talk to Stacy Roost, Assistant General Manager of the Lightning, also the General Manager of the Syracuse Crunch. So it's perfect timing to talk to Stacy, which we'll do in about 15 minutes. We'll have Andrew Gross from New York Newsday, who will stop by the studio here and uh, give us some insight on the Islanders as he typically does when these two teams come together. So I uh, look forward to that conversation with Andrew. And also, just getting word from our good friend Bob, who listens to the show. Bob is a season ticket holder, and he can't make it to tonight's game. He's out of town and has asked me if I'd like to give away a pair of tickets to tonight's game. So, there are some parameters here. Kind of doing this on the fly, so... Um, but the parameters are this: you have to be able to go to tonight's game, and you have to be a subscriber to my site. So, if you wanna, if you're not a subscriber, uh, if you sign up in the next 30 minutes or so, you can get in on this. And you also have to interact with the show. And by interacting with the show, It means you have to send in a comment, send in a question, use the hashtag AskEE on Twitter, or even email me. You can email me, Eric E-R-I-K, at lightninginsider.com is the email address, so you can find me that way as well. Um, But I I do have a pair of tickets to give away, so if you fit those criteria, any of those three criteria, have to be able to go to the game tonight, have to be a subscriber to my site and you have to be able to interact with the show with a comment or a question uh, so make sure you get that get in on that possibility all right I want to touch on the game from Saturday real quick uh, before we talk about uh, who was called up. And uh, who is injured, and who is playing tonight, and all that. So we get some lineup adjustments we have to talk about. Uh, but I want to get to Saturday's game first and foremost because it was um, it was quite a performance from the Lightning. It was a what do you want to how do we want to classify this? I mean, the seven to one result stands out. There's no doubt about it. It was great to see Carter Verhage play as well as he did. Uh, I thought it was, um, well, obviously his best game, but he just looked very, very uh, involved, very, very engaged in the game. And he's rewarded with a three-point night to goal and two assists. And I I know in the grand scheme of things that his goal doesn't really mean a whole lot. I know it's the seventh goal in a 7-1 game and it comes in the final minute. But at the end of the day, he got that first goal. And I, you know, I look, I've talked to you on this show about it. I've talked to Greg Lanelli about it as well. That I felt that with him being a, an offensive kind of guy coming off the year he had last year, leading the AHL and scoring, that, um, He he was going to get that first one. He was going to get the first one and try and uh, get the confidence going. And and we'll see if it does. But, you know, he he played, um, you know, 12 and a half minutes. It's the most ice time he's had this year. The score probably had a little bit to do with that. But he also earned it. He also earned that ice time. He earned the responsibility. He got to play on a line with Steven Stamkos and Tyler Johnson. Uh, that line combined for f- five of the seven goals. Tyler Johnson had two, Steven Stamkos had two, and Verhage got the last one. So um, so good for Carter Verhage. You know, he's been in and out of the lineup. He's been up and down. Third-line winger, fourth-line center, healthy scratch. Only had the one assist next to his name. Been sitting on that for, She's, you know, I think he got that first first assist i believe it was in the the second game of the year which was down in sunrise which seems forever ago and he did pick up that first assist so that was all the way back on october the 5th so for an offensive guy to sit on one assist for two months time you know it 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 probably kind of chips away at your confidence for sure so it was it's good to see him kind of have a game like that And as far as the team overall, you know, I know it says 38 shots at the end of the night, but the Sharks did get a ton of shots on their power play, Uh, specifically that four-minute power play they had. They got seven shots on goal as Tampa Bay starts the game with three penalty kills in the opening nine minutes of the game. It's not an easy way to start things out. But it kind of got Tampa Bay in the game. And I think it was important on, on a couple of factors that coming off the loss to Minnesota and the manner in which they lost that game was very disheartening. Mental focus cost them. So they needed to come out with a, with a more focused effort on Saturday against San Jose, and then you had head coach John Cooper after practice on Friday felt that it was the best practice the team had had this year, and he'd be surprised that they didn't come out ready to play and fired up. Again, not ideal to have to kill off three penalties in a very short period of time. But they did it, and that told me that, you know, you got an idea that they were focused, and Andre Vasilevsky was dialed in early, and, um, you know, I thought they paid pretty good attention to protecting the middle areas of the ice. Uh, So much good that went on in that game. Now the key is, can you do it again? And then can you do it again? And then can you do it again? You're not going to get seven goals every night for sure, but can you limit the opposition to one? Can you limit the opposition to two? You know, I know we've talked a lot about it. You've heard John Cooper mention it a lot. That's sort of the goal of this team, how they want to play. They want to be a team that can limit the opposition to one or two goals. And they feel that if they can do that, they're going to win their fair share of games. And for sure that's the case. You know, I think if you look around the league, that's going to be the case. But this team in particular – with the offense that they have and the capabilities of putting up some goals like they did the other night. But if you can play defense on a more consistent basis because there are times where your offense you know, might dry up. Saw it against the Washington Capitals in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2018. So you can't You can't always rely on your offense to win you games. You have to be able to win games the other way, and that's not just by your goaltender stealing the game for you. I mean, let's face it, if you you look back at that 2018 conference finals, I mean, Andre Vasilevsky stole game five for them. I mean, that was highway robbery. But they didn't score any goals for him in the final... What seven periods of that conference final? If you can't, so if you if you're not gonna be able to score, you better be able to limit the other team to give yourself a chance. So that's kind of where this team is at. Um, does that mean they they finally broke through? No, nope. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Again, you have to be able to do this on a consistent basis. And that's what they're trying to do. And I thought that the game, you know, look, that was a 1 nothing game for a long period of time. Tyler Johnson opens a scoring a little after the midway point of the first period. Nice pass from Carter Hagee off the wall. But that 1 nothing game stood until late into the second period. And then Steven Stamco scores a power play goal in the final minute plus, so it's a three-goal lead heading into the second intermission. But it was a one nothing game for a good period of time, and I felt that Tampa Bay looked comfortable playing in a one nothing game, and they're going to have to. You're going to have to be in those situations, those positions, to be able to play low-scoring, defensive-minded games. And that's all part of, and you're probably sick of me saying this word, but it's, it's, it's true, it's the process. It is a process to be able to play those style of games on a more consistent basis or be able to play them when they arise. And I think for a good portion of Saturday's game, they did exactly that, and that's a good sign moving forward, but you got to do it again. And this is a good test against a team tonight that does it better than anybody in terms of protecting the middle of the ice in the offensive zone. The, uh, nobody does it better than the Islanders. The Islanders give up the most shots in the league, but they're one of the best defensive teams because of how well they play in the middle areas of the ice. We saw that the last time these two teams got together. Uh back in the beginning of November, the last game before Tampa Bay headed over to Sweden. Had a lot of shots, not a lot of quality shots. And the few quality shots they did generate, Thomas Grice was there to make the save. So, big test, big week for Tampa Bay at Florida tomorrow, home against Boston and Washington to close out the weekend. All right, we told you about the call-up. Uh, Mitchell Stevens and Corey Conecker were the two players that were called up tonight. It looks like both of them are going to be in the lineup. Uh Stevens for sure will be in the lineup. Uh looks like Corey Conecker is going to be playing on a line with Steven Stamkos and Carter Hage. Uh looks like Matthew Joseph is probably the odd man out tonight based on what we saw this morning. We'll get confirmation of that. But um You know, Mitchell Stevens is expected to make his NHL debut, which means it's the perfect time to talk to Stacy Roost, who is the general manager of the Syracuse Crunch as well as the assistant general manager of the Lightning. Uh, as we do this every other week with Stacy, every other Monday, we check in with Stacy on the comings and goings of what's going on with the Crunch. So we're going to do that when we come back from this break. We're going to get Stacy on the phone, and he'll be able to give us uh, some insight onto. Um, mitchell stevens and what we can expect from his nhl debut so stick around we'll talk to stacy right after this
0: oh we've got more lightning talk for you unbelievable get a heaping helping of hockey with lightning lunch It's your window to wait game on lightning power play
1: welcome back welcome back to lightning lunch here on lightning power play eric Rollinson lightninginsider.com, your host, getting you set for tonight's game against the New York Islanders and uh, some technical difficulties. We were not able to catch up with Stacy, uh, so we'll see if we can get that done again um, a little bit later in the show. Uh, but we did talk about Mitchell Stevens and, and making his NHL debut tonight and former second-round draft pick of Tampa Bay. He's in his fourth-year pro now, and interesting about Mitchell is... You know he was one of the last players uh, cut from camp last year. Uh, as him and Alex Volkov and Matthew Joseph and Eric Chernak stuck around deep into training camp last year, made it all the way to the end before final decisions were made, and um, all but M- Matthew Joseph will return to Syracuse to start the year. And Mitchell had a a, a tough a tough go of it last season. Um, you know, with the injuries kind of set him back a little bit. Um, So the numbers weren't there. The games weren't there. Uh, So he came into training camp this season and he was actually one of the first guys sent back. So um, he's gone down to to the crunch and uh, as he has been, he's just a workhorse. Uh, He's a plugger. There were a lot of comparisons with him, uh, with uh, Ryan Callahan when he was drafted by Tampa Bay. And You know, the numbers don't show it. He's only got uh, five goals, 10 points in 24 games. But he wins face-offs. He kills penalties. uh, He's a plugger. He's a mucker, whatever word you want to use to describe Mitchell Stevens. Um, By the way, join me at 4.30 today for the opening face-off show uh, because I did have a chance to sit down with Mitchell ahead of his NHL debut tonight. Uh, So we'll get some of his thoughts and uh, the story of how he got called up. I always love uh, here the stories of how guys got their first call up and who was on the other end, who was the first person they called. Um, so uh, make sure you stick around uh, for Mitchell Stevens on the opening faceoff at 4.30. Uh, but he, he's going to be in tonight. Uh, looks like he's going to be on the wing on the fourth line. Made uh, some, some lineup changes because of the Tyler Johnson injury. Tyler Johnson out tonight. It sounds like he might miss a few more games. He's off uh, getting some... Additional testing done today, so we'll have to get word on his situation. But it opens up a door for Mitchell Stevens to come up and make his NHL debut tonight. Took line rushes this morning alongside uh, Cedric Paquette and Pat Maroon. Uh, it looks as if Yanni Gord will play with uh, Anthony Sorelli and Alex Kaloran. And then I mentioned that uh, Stevens or uh, Corey Conacher, who was also recalled this morning uh will play on a line with Steven Stamkos and Carter Hagerty while the Andre Palat, Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov line uh remains intact. Um but let's uh instead of uh, hearing from Stacy, let's let's listen to John Cooper from this morning who addressed the Johnson injury as well as what we might expect out of Mitchell Stevens. So let's hear from John Cooper this morning right now. So uh Cooper call up a couple of guys this morning.
2: You should be used to it by now. Usually there's like four
1: people.
2: <laughs> okay. It's good lighting, though. You look good. Uh,
1: no Tyler on the ice. You make a couple calls. I assume that's not
2: good news for Tyler. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely out, so we'll have to uh, hopefully we get better news today. He's getting checked out, So, um, but yeah, you're probably not going to see him for the next couple of games.
1: So what, what might that mean for the lineup tonight with Mitchell and Corey called up?
2: Well, we've, we need some numbers, but... Uh, um, you know some decisions have to be made here, um, but we usually don't call these guys up to sit them. Uh, so you might see Mitchell uh, Stevens debut tonight. What can we expect? Uh, can we yeah, well he's uh, you know the great thing about the organization is it's the guys that are really working down there um, get rewarded when you know there's a need up here. The one thing about Stevens, he's somebody you know I've watched grow right from his first development camp when he was drafted to to hear today and one thing he's blessed with is uh, the ability to skate and so um, even in all the exhibition games and things he's played when he's been up uh, that has been something that has really helped us and him is his ability to skate so if he's just got that going tonight it's going to be an asset for us and um, he's good in the circle he can kill penalties um, but as I said to, to add to our team's speed that's a good thing.
0: What would you take away from the
2: start <laughs> game, coach? Two points. Yeah. Um, but I- regardless if it's 2-1 or 7-1, we, we played a pretty structured game. Um, you know, it didn't get out of hand until late. Um, but just the way we got there, we killed off a bunch of penalties early. So just all those kind of defensive habits that we needed to have in place were in place. And I know we ended up giving up, you know, in the mid-30s in shots, but um, – all All from the outside, all the ones the goalie could see and when you're doing that, and the goalie walks off you know after the game and says, "God, I wish all my games were like that that's uh, that's a good sign
0: What do you see from the islanders
2: well I it's, see it's, it's Groundhog day <laughs> you know like they just they play the same way and they're good at it and uh, um, that that's why I really respect you know Trotsy and what he's done with his teams um, you know, just gets them all to play the same way and when they're all pulling in the same direction usually good things happen and um, uh, they're just it, this should be a good one because when we were up there we felt we didn't give them the game we we felt we could um, so now we get another shot at it so hopefully uh, hopefully we can be a little better competition for him tonight yeah no Kobe he's definitely progressing but he's still i would told them it's still in the week-to-week um, category.
1: One of the things we hear from coaches, one of those key phrases, is about the word consistency. For your team, what does that mean? And, you, you know, like you talk about yeah. pulling in the same direction. When you guys pull in the same direction, this is a very dangerous team to play against, but kind of <coughs> getting that night in and
2: night out for an extended stretch. Well, it, there's so many factors that go into that. Um, the – because you've got – players you've got some high skill players you've got some checkers you've got and and it's to get everybody understanding you know what it takes to win in this league and you know one of the big things for us is um you know scoring's never been a a huge problem for us and uh so I guess if you use the words consistency we've consistently been able to score but for us it was keeping the puck out of the net and you know you're looking at scores around the league and they're all you know, two-one, two-nothing, and and you know, when we give up two goals or less, you know, I don't think we've lost this year, um, and that's the mentality we have to have. And I think of late, uh, that's something we've been you know, very cognizant of. Aside from the you know, couple like one spurt in the Minnesota game, one spurt in the Carolina game, um, but if we can keep that mentality and be consistent with it, we'll be all right.
3: Is that mentality the same mentality that you think
1: will help this team? in the postseason what is that balance big picture for your club
2: and in having the success in the regular season and then translating it and are there differences there's one thing see we 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 never talk postseason here until you get there and and um they're two different seasons but you still have to you know finish in the the top eight to get there and and we you know as we currently sit right now we're not there so um but we like with the way our game's progressing and If you've got that ingrained in your mentality come April, usually good things are going to happen for you. And, and, uh, you know, since, you know, I would say here probably our last ten games, there's so many good things are going into our defensive side of the game. we just got to keep this going.
1: What have you seen from Joseph so far? I mean, it's the second full year, and I know the numbers offensively aren't there, but it seems like he's finding ways to.
2: Yeah, he's, uh, it's. Um, another player where speed and getting after it is an asset, uh, for him. And, um, he, when he's in on the four check and when he, he's got the ability to push other teams back and and that's when you're, you can see how dynamic he can be. Um, probably needs to shoot the puck a little bit more when he gets inside, but, um, he's just got to keep doing those things to, you know, help himself and help us.
1: All right. That was John Cooper following the morning skate there. Uh. Certainly he let us know that Mitchell Stevens will indeed be in the lineup tonight. And uh, again, it looks like Matthew Joseph might be the odd player out based on what we saw with Stevens and Joseph sort of taking turns on that fourth line uh, or on the pocket line, uh, as we like to say. Um, so it looks like Joseph will be the odd man out. All right, we've got our technical difficulties fixed with Stacey. So... Uh, we're going to jump away to a break right now. We're going to get Stacy on the phone so he can give us some more insight on Mitchell Stevens. So stick around. We'll get to Stacy on the other side of this break.
0: Oh, we've got more lightning talk for you. You'll want to focus on the neglected food groups, such as the whipped group, the congealed group, and the chocolatastic. This is Lightning Lunch with LightningInsider.com's Eric Erlinson. I can. Nay, I must eat everything I've always wanted. On Lightning Power Play.
1: All right, welcome back to Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Erlinson from LightningInsider.com. Lightning are in town tonight to uh, finish off a little mini three game homestand here against the New York Islanders. That's a seven seven PM puck drop right here on Lightning Power Play. And as we mentioned, Mitchell Stevens making his NHL debut tonight after he was called up uh, with the injury to Tyler Johnson. So we'll see Mitchell in and it's just perfect timing to bring in our usual every other Monday guest is Stacy Roost, the assistant general manager of the Lightning, as well as a Syracuse General Manager, and uh, first of all, Stacy, how you been? We haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks.
4: Yeah, no, I've been good. Just making the rounds and uh, and watching some hockey, so all good.
1: So, are are you racking up some more frequent flyer miles, and say Corey Conacher nowadays?
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're kind of <laughs> on the same same path there. <laughs> yeah, know it's been a little back and forth for Corey, but uh, well, I'm sure he's happy happy that he's
1: up, so that's good. Yep, yep, and we'll see him in the lineup tonight as well. But uh, as far as Mitchell Stevens goes. Uh, you know, fourth-year pro now. We had a very good training camp last year. The injuries kind of set him back a little bit uh, with Syracuse last year, but he gets a chance now to come up. Uh, just kind of give us an idea of what his strengths are, what we can expect to see.
4: Well, he's, he's skating. It's the first thing you'll probably notice. Yeah, he'll go out there, and he, he, he works really hard. He's tenacious on pucks, and, uh, you know, he's, he's putting some pucks in the net this year uh, early on in Syracuse. So, uh, hard worker, good penalty killer, and, you uh, He's a good, good, good. Two hundred foot game. He's making more plays than he has in the past uh, this year. So he's uh, he's the best hockey I've seen him play as a pro. So it's ready to go, and and hopefully he he'll uh, have a good one.
1: How much did the injury kind of set him back a little bit? And he, and he talked to me about it a little bit this morning. But uh, you know, how much does that kind of you know hinder uh, hinder his game? Is the word I'm looking for?
4: Well, it, it, when you're a skater and you and you and you and you' you know your lower body injury it, it it makes it tough on you and what happened was on the on his way back when you know recovering he kept kind of tweaking it and so then it didn't really put you back and then you're watching other guys play and other guys we had a good team down there, so they're having success so then you try and get back in the lineup and you come back a little too early and so it was it was a tough one on him that's why I think it was good for him he had a good solid training camp came down had a good start this season he's playing really well he's he, he's moving probably the best we've seen him move since we've drafted him so it's good that you you got to be patient with him. You have to, how you say? It's hard enough to play the game at 100%. It's it's very tough to play it at 80 or or 90%. So, it's good that he's 100%. He's feeling good and, and looking forward to, to watching him tonight.
1: There were a lot of comparisons his draft year to O'Rion Callahan. Are, are those fair comparisons? or Is that close to a style that he plays?
4: Yeah, that that might be uh it might be similar. I think it's probably a little bit quicker, but uh, yeah, similar. You know, good good. Uh, a you know, good, good two-way guy can make plays and, and, and put the puck in the net, so that's, that's, that'd be fair.
1: He's also a pretty good face-off guy uh, in Syracuse. What kind of an adjustment is that going to be for him to get used to face-offs if he takes them? I, mean, I, know, I think he's scheduled to be actually be on the wing tonight, so we'll see if he takes any face-offs. But for a player to kind of adjust uh, from the AHL to the NHL uh, from, from that aspect...
4: Well, I think for first of all, when you're when you're the young guy and the new guy in the league, you probably don't get any any breaks from the linesman, which is <laughs> going to be the biggest the biggest thing. If you're taking draws against anyone that has some experience, uh, they 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 seem to get a little bit of a nod there. So, and then it, 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 guys are just maybe a little bit well, obviously more experienced. they've they've taken more draws. They're you know some of them if you're taking draws. You know they're they're out there for that that reason only is to to win a faceoff. So it, it's a faceoff specialist. So it's just a little bit quicker, a little bit stronger, and, and obviously more experience from the from the NHL. You know, guys that take faceoffs compared to some younger players in in the American League. So
1: it, it's a little bit harder to cheat when you first come in the league. Is that what you're saying?
4: Oh, one
1: cheat you and you're out. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> As a winger, you better get ready. <laughs> uh, all right, Stacy Roos is our guest here on Lightning, Lou- uh, Lightning Lunch, our usual every other Monday guest, gives us some insight on what's going on with Syracuse Crunch. And uh, good weekend for the Crunch, uh, Stacy, A couple of wins um, at on home ice against Laval on Friday, backed that up on Saturday against Bridgeport. A couple of 5-2 wins. They've won three out of their last four. It, it it looks kind of like they've had some of the elevator situation that the that the lighting have had in terms of trying to find some consistency. So so where are they at right now as we sit, uh, you know, on December the ninth.
4: Well, but, I mean, yeah, like you said, we're, we're I think our play's been pretty good. I mean, the Wednesday loss against uh, Charlotte, we were, you know, Corey was out, uh, Dom Machine was out, Ben Thomas was out, uh, Alex barbelay was out. So you missing missing four big pieces there. So that was a little bit tough, but I, I like the way we're playing. I like the way we're working. Uh, goaltending has been solid, and getting getting scoring from 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 a lot of different guys, not just relying on one line or or, or a couple guys. So uh, it's it's all been good. Penalty kills has been, been 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 solid. So I think we're heading in the right direction, and guys are guys are starting to get some momentum and get some confidence. So it's been uh, been fun to watch.
1: Uh, I saw Mike Condon dressed as the backup uh, for Saturday's game. Is he close to maybe seeing some action?
4: Yeah, Scott. Uh, he tweaked. Uh, he had an injury there on on, on, the, on the Friday, so uh, Mike was good to go. He's been practicing full for for a bit, and asked him, and he was ready to roll. So he's he's going on the trip this uh, this week out to, to Providence and to Charlotte. So he could see some could see a game or two if he's called on.
1: And so how how's uh, Wedgwood, Is he able to play, or are you gonna kind of give him maybe a rest?
4: No, he needs a little bit of a break. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly what the what the injury is and how long yet, but he's going to be out for for a little bit. So we'll have to go with uh, Spencer. Spencer played great on on when he came in and mopped up on on Friday and then played really well on Saturday. So, so it'll be uh, it'll be Spencer and, uh, and Mike. So we're we're confident in those two and give him a chance to play.
1: Um, St- I, Stacey, we talked a lot about um, Oleg Sosnov the last couple of years. I know he was injured there for the season but he's kind of been up and down again this year uh, how, how's his playing time um, you know where's he at internally? it feels like this is an important year for him to maybe take a step forward and are we are we kind of seeing some of those strides from him
4: well we before uh, Dom uh, Machine and, and Ben Thomas got injured he was down and playing a lot in in, uh, in uh, Orlando and that was kind of the plan if he wasn't going to get regularly into the lineup in, in Syracuse he was going to go down there and play and then when they we lost them both we needed them mm-hmm. back up in Syracuse just to uh, has a six-seven defenseman, so um, yeah. The plan, if, if, he could, if he's going to play uh, in Syracuse, that there's a spot for him. Obviously, when our gear healthy, we feel that the other six might be a, a, a ahead of him. So we're, you know, he probably go down to Orlando uh, if if everybody's healthy. If not, if there's a spot for him to play, he's going to play. But he's coming. He's he's practicing. Uh, you notice a big difference in his his skating and his skill and his even his shooting and, and puck handling. It's 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 coming. It's just. You know, it takes time with the with the young ones, especially being 6'9". six foot nine. It's yeah. it's a lot, you know, it's a lot more moving parts for <laughs> for for a guy like Oleg than than someone that's a, a foot shorter or, or even six inches shorter. So we're happy with where he's at. Now it's just a matter of if he's, if he's, if all the guys are healthy in Syracuse and, and he's not going to be a regular, then he'll he'll probably go down to Syracuse or to Orlando, sorry, and uh, and and play some games and play big minutes.
1: A big trip coming up for them. You mentioned uh, the game at Providence. You also got a couple of games at Charlotte. Uh coming up over the weekend as well uh what 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 do you want to see out of the team this weekend?
4: Well, I just think the same thing consistency. I thought we had two good uh during the weekend there against uh against bridgeport and Laval we had really really good starts guys were ready they' were prepared to play, and we scored early and uh, it's not all about scoring just the, the the effort was there the execution was there, you know everybody knew the game plan and we were on it. We're working the other team, so I think just continue that, and, and uh, I think we should be fine. We have a good enough good good mix of some some veterans that are chipping in, some younger guys are starting to starting to jump up with their roles and the, you know earning more ice time, getting more ice time, and and seeing some results both uh, offensively and defensively. So I think it's just a matter of sticking with it and and uh, keep playing the way uh, the way Ben you know the system and the and the the habits that he has those guys playing, and and we should be fine.
1: All right, Stacy. Uh, again, thanks for your time, man. We'll uh, we'll check back in with you in a couple of weeks, okay?
4: All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, thank you. That's uh, Stacy Roost, yeah. assistant uh, general manager of the Lightning, also in charge of the Syracuse Crunch. Uh, so some good insight there on Mitchell Stevens. Um, let's let's stick with this. Andrew, just go ahead and, and pop the headset on there. Uh, we'll we'll just continue to roll right through here as we're joined by Andrew Gross from. New York Newsday covers the Islanders. He's covered all the New York Metro teams. That was a good conversation we had last year about about that. But this uh, second full year covering the Islanders, right?
3: Second full. Uh, year? Second full. Yeah, plus uh, a few games at the end of Dougie Waite's uh, uh, reign there.
1: Yeah. So uh, so welcome in. We appreciate you. Uh, oh, yeah,
3: Beautiful studio. stopping for by <laughs> the uh, yeah the
1: the lovely Palisades uh, yeah. here at uh, Studio 401. We call this. So, yeah. Uh, so thanks for coming in. Um. All right, so I I know you probably get asked this question a thousand times. It's an Islanders team that gives up the most shots in the league, but they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. I mean, what is it about their structure, about their dedication to defense that makes it so hard to score goals against? Yeah, I I mean,
3: I don't have the, the shot chart right in front of me but if you if you looked at it and it was all shaded in you would probably see most of the shots coming from the boards or you know closer to the blue line they don't they're really tight around the crease and they don't give up a lot of rebounds when they're playing well to their structure so you know barry's uh, barry trotz's philosophy is you can take all the shots you want from the outside they're not high danger chances, and and that's what they really chart when they go through the games is they're, and all coaches do, really, they're, they're charting the high danger chances versus, you know, the, just the generic shot on net to get a shot on net, and if they were giving up a lot of high danger chances that would be an issue and and for the most part they don't you know dallas had a few odd man rushes the other night and uh, it's been a little bit up and down lately but for the most part they've they've played really well to their structure and you saw that you know they, they have a 15-0-2 streak and uh, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah they, they played some good defense and you know uh, they've They've got a solid top six. Obviously, uh, one change tonight. Uh, Nick Letty is out day-to-day with a lower body injury. uh, Hobbled off the ice Saturday in Dallas. Didn't seem like he could put weight on his uh, left skate. So, uh, the rookie Noah Dobson goes in. He'll play on his offside. He's a righty. He'll play on the left side with uh, Johnny Boychuk tonight.
1: Uh, Before we get to Noah Dobson, because I've I've been reading a lot about him lately, but I want to ask about the the defensive style. Is is that a hard... Message So winning, obviously, you can sell anything when you're winning games as the Islanders yeah. have, but in terms of being patient and, and making that approach, has is, is that been a hard thing for, for players to kind of adapt to?
3: You know what? It, you would think it would have been based on how the Islanders played defense up until Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarello walked into the building. Yep. You, you looked at them, and uh, this group will never play defense, you know? <laughs> but what Barry and Lou found were players like almost desperate for good teaching. And and it was almost the perfect storm because you had Barry coming off a Stanley Cup championship. So the players, you know, the antenna are up immediately with the new coach coming in. You got Lou Lamarillo coming in and uh, every player even if they weren't born you know <laughs> you, you know the the reputation of yeah. how the devils played you know not exciting but very very effective and these players really really wanted to be taught and uh you, you it turned out you had some really good defensive talent. And, uh, you know, a little bit of credit to the former general manager, Guard Snow, for getting some of these guys locked up to, to decent deals. I'm thinking specifically, you know, Scotty Mayfield. And when he signed his deal, I think it was a four-year deal, whatever it was, people were like, why are we giving this guy any money, you know? But he's turned out, you know, like in you know, one through six, I, I, I've always said, and obviously, you know, I'm a little close to the situation. But one through six, I would put the Islanders defensemen up against pretty much anyone in the league. You know, just in terms of consistency, you know, there's no real drop-off from one to six. It's not like this guy's a clear number one and this guy's a clear number six. There's a a good balance there.
1: Which kind of fits in with their whole... Team mo anyway yeah, right absolutely you get outside of Matthew Barzell and maybe Andres Lee there's not a lot of big names on this roster
3: no no there's just guys who know their roles and uh, you know maybe they do need a little bit more scoring um uh, that's to be to be determined you know I, I, they're still hoping Jordan Everly they would like Jordan Everly to kind of be an upper echelon type player you'd like them to say you know Matthew Barzell and Jordan Everly so far this season it's been a little bit of a you know, he had a nine-game absence, I think, because of an ankle injury. He's had trouble getting going, but you saw what Jordan Eberly did in the uh, in the postseason, that yeah. first series against Pittsburgh, and that's why, you know, they, they quickly re-signed him. Uh, they did not let him get to uh, unrestricted free agency, but yeah, no, you're right. Barry, uh, in a perfect Islander game, he's you know, all the forwards are going to have between, you know, uh, 13, 14 minutes and 17, 18 minutes. There's not going to be like one guy with 21 minutes and one guy with six minutes. That's not how Barry wants to do things. And it's the same thing with the defense. You know, Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak are, are probably, you know, if you had to pick out the shutdown pair, that would be it. But Devontae's and Scott Mayfield, you know, you got a real good offensive-defensive match there, and uh, Johnny Boychuk, I mean, just keeps rolling, you know, and, uh, you know, he's he's healthy this year, which is something he said he hasn't been able to say for a couple of years, and uh, you really can count on a Johnny Boychuk, sp- specifically in the third period, he seems to up his game over the last 20 minutes.
1: Again, we're joined by Andrew Gross from uh, New York Newsday, who covers the Islanders and Uh, You mentioned Noah Dobson uh, coming into the uh, lineup tonight with the injury. I've been reading a lot about him. He hasn't been able to find ice time. There's a lot of speculation. What does that mean he needs to be traded? I know he's a young defenseman. I mean, where does he kind of fit into the plans now?
3: Well, I I think, you know, if there was a list of untouchables in the organization, I think Noah Dobson is pretty high up on that list of untouchables. They love this kid. Uh, They absolutely love him. And they told him before the season starts – the, the back story is Noah is 19. He was a 12th overall pick in 2018. He's done everything in junior hockey you can ask a kid to do. He's won two Memorial Cups, I believe, um, two different organizations. They just didn't want to send him back to juniors because they felt like it would almost stunt his development. Mm. The problem being he's 19 and a Canadian, still with Canadian junior hockey eligibility, So they cannot send him to the AHL, which would be the perfect spot in terms of furthering his development, but they're really stuck because of the CBA, and and Lou Lamarillo says this is going to change in the next CBA. In the next CBA, you'll be able to send a kid like Noah Dobson to the AHL that's what lou says you know lou lou
1: Lou usually gets what lou Lou gets what (laughs) lou yeah
3: um so it's interesting so noah is on this on this team and they told him before the season hey you're not going to play 82 games you may not play 42 games but you're going to stay here you're going to practice and your game is going to develop and next season you know you come into training camp and You'll probably, you know, I I think everyone is aware he'll probably start next season at Bridgeport just so he can start playing a little bit regularly. Mm -hmm. But this kid's going to be a fixture in the Islanders lineup, uh, you know, and and they think he's going to be a star defenseman. So he's been in and out of the lineup. I I think the most he's played in a row is three games. Um, Last game he played was, uh, what was it, a 4-1 loss in Los Angeles. And both Barry and Noah said, that that was far from his best game. You know, he kind of regressed a little bit there. Um, and it's, you know, and, and he says he just needs to play a little simpler and not try and do everything all at once. But that's natural for a 19-year-old kid who doesn't get to play a lot. But, you know, Noah, and I've talked to Noah a lot about this. He says, yes, this is frustrating because he's a kid who's used to playing, but not frustrated in where he's angry at the organization because he said – you know Lou and Barry could not have been more transparent and more clear with the plan for him and he understands tough for him because he's not playing but he understands that his development is be- is being further just being around the NHL and getting to practice with yeah. these guys on a day in day out basis
1: which is not a philosophy that a lot of teams will utilize right like they don't no. want their young players sitting they no. don't want them watching they want them playing games
3: and 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 it's frustrating for the Islanders organization cuz you got in the same draft, you got two defensemen that they they really think are going to be a part of this for a long time. You, you got Noah Dobson in the first round, and then Bodie Wilde fell to them in the second round. And Bodie is obviously the same age as Noah, but because he's not a Canadian junior player, he's an American college player. He's at Bridgeport in the AHL this season, yeah. and you know he's he's playing. He was hurt. He had a ankle lower body to start the season. So he just finally got back into the lineup. Uh, time kind of blends, but it, within three weeks ago. So now he's playing con- consistently, and this season's going to be fantastic for Bodie Wild because he's going to get this whole season, whereas the Islanders really feel like they're between a rock and a hard place with Noah. They just yeah. they just don't want to send him to juniors. They They really feel like he'll fall into too many bad habits because his junior team we'll just overplay the heck out of him because they have a star player here, mm-hmm. you know. So they they don't want him going down and having to play 30 minutes of junior hockey, falling into bad habits because he's so much better of a player than that level of hockey. So the, the their best solution and again it's it's not the optimal one, but the best solution for the Islanders is they feel just keep him on the roster, spot him into the lineup when they can.
1: All right elephant in the room everybody's talking about it uh you mentioned that maybe the islanders could find some secondary scoring the taylor hall situation a lot of people are trying to link taylor hall to the islanders any possibility that's something that could happen
3: see i i think uh, knowing ray shiro a little bit obviously the first guy he's going to ask for is noah dobson and and i think it would be a very short conversation if it if it ever happened between Ray Shiro and Lou Lamarillo, and I would even doubt that one or the other would pick up the phone for that, <laughs> you know. Uh, there's, you know, Ray obviously succeeded Lou as the Devils' general manager. Lou had kind of stepped up, I'm making air quotes, stepped up to the presidency of the Devils, and that arrangement lasted about a, a month and a half before Lou bolted for Toronto, so, you know, um... You know, I, 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 I know Islander fans, if you read the Twitter feeds, Taylor Hall is, you know, they're desperate yep. to get a guy in like Taylor Hall. I, I I really don't see a match between those two teams to get Taylor, you know, especially as a rental. I yep. mean, you'd never give up Noah Dobson in, in a rental deal. And, you know, maybe you take a run at Taylor because the Islanders – tried to throw a lot of money artemi panarin's way they tried to throw more money than the rangers eventually wound up giving him uh you know i think it was about uh, an aav of 12.5 million over the seven years for uh bread and you know he wanted broadway so i mean luke kind of you know laid bare that that is what they are looking for but i You know what, if Taylor Hall leaves Jersey, and obviously I covered Taylor, I mean, he's looking for two things. I mean, obviously he wants to win because he's getting to an age where he sees the window closing, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's been on a lot of bad Edmonton Oilers teams, and he's now been on a few really bad New Jersey Devils teams, and he makes no bones about that he's sick of this, you know. He wants to play for a winner. The Islanders do fulfill that you know, category. But I also feel like if Taylor, geography really plays a big part for Taylor Hall also. Um, I know he spent, it was, you know, four or five months into his first season with the Devils, and he was still crushed about getting traded away from Edmonton, you know. Um, So geography is a a big deal to him. I kind of feel like if Taylor Hall loved the New York area, like really, really loved the New York area, a deal would have been done with, with New Jersey already. So I, I think that probably takes the Islanders out of the mix there.
1: Well, and I think any team that's going to acquire him, it's it's going to be cost. It's going to yeah. cost you a lot, especially, uh, you know, with you know the MVP just two years ago. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, so I don't know. I, I find hard fits for anybody. Yeah. To be honest with you, I, cool. I can't see going back to Edmonton.
3: Right, Colorado
1: might make sense, but, again, they might have to give up a Byron Bowen or something yeah. like that. I mean, that's a lot to give up for uh, Taylor Hall.
3: Yeah, no, it, it is. And, you know, obviously Taylor's playing, but, you know, his knees have been an issue. So, I mean, any player comes with risk. But, you know, from an Islander standpoint, if the conversation to, – to bring it back, if the conversation starts with Noah Dobson, uh, the Islanders don't bite on that.
1: Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see, but uh, sure sounds like – Taylor Hall's it, probably sooner or better than later, right? Like, because of yeah. the situation the Devils are in, you don't want – it's already bad enough yeah. with how bad of a season they've had to this point that they probably don't want this hanging over their head either. No,
3: right? no. I, I, I think Ray – I think – I mean, if you, if the reports are true and we have no reason to believe they're not, they're actively seeking, you know, trade bids here. And yeah. they've also set the bar high. Yeah, um, but I, I agree with you that I, I think Ray wants to get this done sooner rather than later, and I think Taylor wants to get it done sooner rather than later. You you can just see, and I'm not in that room anymore, but you can just see how he looks after games. You know, the, the annoyance on his face about having yeah. to talk about another bad loss and having to talk about his situation constantly. I mean, uh, uh, Taylor, I mean... I don't feel bad for Taylor because, you know, he's going to make a lot of money out of this, right? And he's going to get to play for a contender this season. But right now, life kind of stinks for Taylor Hall, and it kind of stinks for the Devils. And one way to mitigate that is to, you know, divorce really quickly.
1: Yeah, well, I, it's funny. Like, we've seen this a couple of times. We saw it with John Tavares. We saw it here with Stephen Stamkos. Yeah. A couple of years ago, these big-name players – uh, kind of continuing to play through on on their first, not their first foray, but their first real big ticket into UFA, and it just kind of it just kind of hangs over, right? Obviously, yeah. they hung over the Islanders for the entire season. Uh, it, it, the Lightning were winning mm-hmm. that year with Stamkos, then he had the blood clot and he and he missed all that time. But that was kind of hanging over the situation all the way right up to July one. He only signed a couple of days before that. Um, so th- these are not easy situations for teams to deal with because. You know, from a, I mean, the player's head is not necessarily where you want it to be, and that affects the team. And you don't want that stuff affecting the team. I mean, you, you've seen plenty of it.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, and so have you with 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 a year of Stamkos, and yeah. and it worked out for the Lightning, you know. And a lot of people did not give much credence to it eventually working out the way it did. I mean, everyone had him pegged going to Toronto, and to be honest with Tavares, I think more people just assumed he was going to stay you know, because he had kind of, he put it out there that he hoped he was going to stay. And I think that really got people's hopes up. And ironically, he winds up, you know, he really played things close to the vest who knew how much going back to Toronto really, really meant for him. And to be honest, I I remember saying this, I thought Toronto would be the last place JT would want to go because he is a quiet private person. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think he would want to have anything to do with the circus up there. It's a fishbowl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really a fishbowl. <laughs> uh,
1: Alright, last question here, Andrew, before we let you go. Um, we, we had talked in the beginning part of the season, I think, about the difference between the Atlantic and the Metro division. We felt that maybe this would be the year the Atlantic might put five teams in. <laughs> Not looking that way right now as both Tampa Bay and Toronto are two of the teams out of the playoff picture, whereas the Metro looks maybe a little bit stronger than we thought. The Rangers are right there. The Penguins, even with all their injuries, are right there. Obviously, the Islanders, the Capitals. I mean, how strong is that Metro division looking now than it did before the yeah, season? And, and the Flyers may be playing. Yeah, the Flyers, uh, yeah. I mean,
3: the, the, the Capitals, crazily enough, I mean, the Islanders have this 15-0-2 streak, and they can't gain a point <laughs> yeah, on the amazing. Capitals. <laughs> I mean, the Capitals, I, I've, I, I've given up. You know, I think right now the Islanders, are, as of recently, they were on pace for like 120 points. And still the Capitals, like, were on pace to clinch the division, like, you know, second week of March, yeah. you know. I mean, but the, the the Flyers may be playing as well as anyone in the, in the division right now, too. Um.
1: Yeah, yeah Connor's a Flyers fan, so yeah. he's nodded in approval. Well, I mean, <laughs> and,
3: and, and no surprise, Elaine Vigneault gets into a, a situation, settles it. Those first couple of years with A.V. are really, really good, you know. Um, so, I mean, the, the Islanders are – you know, basically trying to fight the uh, Flyers off for second place in the Metro as well as they've played. But, yeah, you know, I agree. The Rangers have looked much, much better, and they go into Vegas and win 5 nothing the other day. I yeah. mean, if they ever could uh, inject real consistency into their game and, and stop, because the Rangers are either way up here and I'm I've got my hand above my head or they're way down there and I've got my hands closer to my sneakers. I mean... There just seems to be no middle ground with this team, Um, you know, and and I think I I, I don't even want to say that's a function of having so many young players because the older players, the veterans, are having wildly inconsistent seasons too. But if the Rangers could ever get consistent, then, yeah, they're right in the middle of the mix because they have so much talent on that team. Um, I I never discount the Penguins no matter what they're going through. I mean, you still have Sid, you still got Malkin. Still got Matt Murray, Chris Letang when he's healthy. I mean, that's a formidable roster they have, even though it's not as nearly as deep as when they were winning Stanley Cups. Yeah. Um, you know, even the Blue Jackets are going to give people fits at times. And again, uh, caught up, caught up with Torts, had a good chat with him recently, you know, and you know, if the, like the Rangers, if those guys ever got some consistency, they're not as talented, obviously, anymore with everyone leaving. But Torts knows how to coach, you know, come February and, and teams March. Always play hard. Yeah, always. It demands that. Yeah. Demands that. And And it's funny, you know. I'm sure you saw this, you know, in, in Tampa Bay with Torts. He is—he's—he can be so grating of a personality. Not not with the media. I, I'm talking about on Sometimes his players. With media. <laughs> Sometimes with the media. But but with, yeah, with the players, sure. right? Yep. It doesn't seem like his voice is growing old in Columbus. And yep. maybe it's because they have so much turnover. He's reinvented himself. Yeah. I, I mean, it really looks like, you know, I know he had a nice long run here in Tampa and he had four and a half seasons with the Rangers but he really looks like you know it, it doesn't look like this is the end of he's nearing the end of the run in Columbus
1: he is definitely a coach who has reinvented himself in the best way possible yeah because I'm sure we're a lot of people and I, and mm-hmm. I was in this court the pictures of him in Calgary trying Awful. to get into the locker room you right. would thought that's it Yeah. I never thought he was going to coach again. again. I
3: I thought that was his last night as an NHL coach. Yeah, for sure. And then he
1: gets the opportunity with Team USA at the World Cup. And then Columbus comes knocking on his door. I think because of Freddie Modine. I think Freddie Modine went to John Davidson in in Yarmouth at the time and said, This is the guy you need to get. Mm -hmm. And he is like, he's. Joking with Bob McGellaigo on that little <laughs> podcast they do I mean I mean this is John Tortorello joking around with the media, mm-hmm. I think but I think his coaching style has also adapted, and, and I think that's especially with what we 're seeing now with all the the coaches you stuff. know it's
3: it's amazing the, the the best coaches adapt yeah a- and I agree with you, you know, just you know knowing Torts, you would not have put him in that car- category of a guy who would be able to dial it down and adapt to not. Being just so over the top angry all the time, and he's—I agree with you. You know, you see him in the—you know—in the press conferences and just in his interactions. He is—he's look. The the year in Vancouver was the best thing that ever happened to him, and it was the worst thing that ever happened to him. You know, I mean, uh, he was. Just, he was flayed up there. They hated him up there. Yeah. And, and
1: well, and, and this is the guy who, was, while I was here, would curse somebody if their phone went off during oh, a yeah. press conference. Now he's answering the phone. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's all you need to know about John Tortorella. So. All right, uh, Andrew, great conversation as always, man. It's really good to see you. Thank Eric, you, Scott. Eric, by.
3: anytime. Love, this is fun being yeah. uh, face-to-face here. Yeah,
1: this is good. So, All right, that's going to wrap up today's show. Yeah, this is a good one. Um, I want to thank uh, Stacey Roos for joining us. Uh, it was a good conversation. I hope you got some insight into Mitchell Stevens, who will make his NHL debut tonight. Again, the Newark Islanders are in town at 7 p.m. Make sure you check out the opening faceoff at 4.30. I also sat down with Mitchell for that show, uh, got some insight. And, again, you have to hear the story of his first call-up. Those are always pretty cool stories from players. Uh, Greg Manelli has Lightning Power Play live for you tonight at 5.30. Pre-game show starts at 6.30. Telecast is on the air at 7.00. All right, thanks, Andrew Gross, for stopping by. Uh, always a good conversation on the Islanders. Thanks to Connor Zelinski for putting it all together and making us sound so much better than we are. I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, another game day as the Lightning are in Florida, so I'll be back on the air at noon. So until then,
0: bye-bye, everybody.